Let's just spend some moments here in prayer before we open up God's Word. Dear Heavenly Father, as we have praised you today in your attributes and your love for us and sending your one and only Son, we acknowledge that you are worthy. You are worthy of our praise and we come to you saying we are needy. As people, all of us, at one point in time, found ourselves separated from you because of our own sin. In desperate need without a solution. And yet you, in the depths of your love, made it possible for us to stand here today through faith in Jesus Christ, our risen Lord, and have our sin forgiven. And with joy, we come before you today in praise. Father, there are those here this morning who are going through difficult times, who are hurting, whose lives are crashing in, and I pray that we would find hope and joy and peace in you today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm Pastor Steve. It's a joy to be with you today as we open up God's Word. And this morning, we are going to spend some time in the book of Philippians in the New Testament, Philippians chapter 3. And we will be looking at verses 7 through 14 of Philippians 3. This Just this past week, Pastor Jim Simbola, pastor of Brooklyn Tabernacle in New York, in New York put out on social media, on his Twitter account, these words. We can't just have a Christmas Jesus, a Holy Week Jesus, an Easter Jesus. We need him at the center of our lives every single day. I'm going to read it one more time. We can't just have a Christmas Jesus, a Holy Week Jesus, an Easter Jesus. We need Him at the center of our lives every single day. This past January, my wife Barbara and I were up in Minneapolis-St. Paul seeing our youngest son and One morning we went to Ikea. Many of you are familiar with Ikea, huge store. I like the purpose of Ikea. It helps you get organized. I don't like clutter. So Ikea is a great place to get organized. But I don't like shopping. And so Barbara and I have found a, in almost 34 years of marriage, we found a good solution to this predicament. She shops and I sip coffee. It works out great. And so I go to the cafeteria area at Ikea and sip my 99 cent coffee or my 99 cent breakfast and, and sip coffee and, uh, and she shops and I read my book and go through my journals and she shops and I drink some more coffee and she shops. And then when she has her everything picked out, then she grabs me and we go and she says, I want this and this and this. And we say, grab it, grab it, grab it. We go to the cashier, insert the car, wham, bam, salmon, boom, we're out of there. It's a surgical strike. It's great. 
And, and it's just a great place to get organized. In fact, it's a great place to get organized for holidays. You can have a Thanksgiving tote. You can have a Christmas tote. You can have an Easter tote and all of the trappings that, that you want to pull out at those times of year can, can fit into its own tote at Christmas time. You can pull up the Christmas tote from our mechanical room and there is all of the trappings for Christmas. And there's the manger scene with baby Jesus. And then, you could go and grab an Easter tote and, and have all the decor for Easter. And maybe you would have a cross or a, a replica of an empty tomb. Symbolist point is this. The risen Jesus should not be kept in a tote. The risen Jesus should have a central importance in each of our lives every day. And, and he's not just to be taken out when we're in a jam or we're not supposed to just come to him when it's convenient or even for a holiday. The risen Jesus is to have a center position in our hearts and our lives every day. Another way of putting it is that is this. Jesus needs to be my most important. Jesus Christ needs to be my most important. And we can all ask ourselves a question. What or who is my most important right now, today, in my life. Who is my most important? What is my most important right now? Well, we're going to see this morning in Philippians 3 that the Apostle Paul had a major shift in his life. He had a life-changing moment. And his quote-unquote most important Radically changed. Why? Because of risen Jesus. I'm going to read Philippians chapter 3 verses 7 through 14. You can follow along in your copy of the Bible this morning if you have it with you. Philippians chapter 3 starting to read in verse 7. But whatever things were gained to me, these things I have counted as lost for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count them the, more than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ. It may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him. And the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained it or have already become perfect, 
But I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which I also was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal of the upward prize. Excuse me, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The Apostle Paul had a major shift in his life. It changed his most important. It was caused by the risen Jesus. And Paul, as he brings this section to us, reminds us in the first section of verses 1 through 6 of what used to be his most important. And he lists several things. He talks about the fact that he came from a great family, a religious family. He talks about the fact that everyone in Israel would have looked up to him because he was from uh, the most respected group of religious leaders, the Pharisees. And he talks about the fact that as he looks at the Old Testament law, he's perfect. He has obeyed God's laws down to the, the most minute detail. That's what was most important to him. His own religiosity, his own standing before God that he believed he attained. Problem. He comes to realize that everything that he put in that category of most important in his life, he came to realize that it was actually detrimental to him. It was actually pulling him away from truly experiencing what it means to be right with God. And so Paul talks about this paradigm shift, this this major change in his life, this change in For him, what was most important. It used to be his religious standing before God. But now it is risen Jesus Christ. And he challenges his readers and he challenges us today that we all must press on to know risen Jesus. Notice with me in verse 7. Whatever things were gained to me, Those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. All those things that he had his confidence in, he considers those to be detrimental now. They were actually keeping him away from truly experiencing what it means to be right with God. Because he was trusting in his own abilities. Verse 8, he elaborates that and says, More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ. 
He not only views those things that he was depending on to be right with God as detrimental, here he says it's rubbish. Now, in our English Bibles, they put a translation in there that that makes it kind of smooth sounding for us to read in church. Literally, the word's manure. That's what he says. All that stuff that I was depending on to make me right with God, it's manure. When I was a kid, we had family friends that uh, raised chickens, big chicken operation, and the the dad took me out and showed me these big manure vats where all the chicken manure ran in. And he looks at me and said, yeah, this last week my hired man fell in there. Yuck! And, 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 and here, Paul says, all that stuff that I was depending on to make me right with God, it's as valuable as that, as, as manure. That's what it is to me. It's worthless. It was holding me back from really being right with God because he thought he could be good enough to actually earn standing before God. But he was using the wrong measure. And then a change happened. He became aware of risen Jesus. In fact, he goes on in verse 9 and says he wants to be found in him. Someday when he when he dies and he stands before Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ says to him, "Why should I let you into heaven?" Paul doesn't want to have to say, "Well, I tried to be a good person." You know, Right now here at Faith Bible Church, we've been in a series on the Sermon on the Mount. And one of the main points of the Sermon on the Mount is we can't do it. We can't be a good enough person. We cannot obey God's law. Oh, we can maybe externally check off a few things that we haven't done. But Jesus' point is, obedience to God's law is not just a matter of externals. It's also an internal issue. It's an issue of the heart. James says in James chapter 2 verse 10, we can obey the entire law and just miss in one point we're guilty of it all. And finally Paul came to a point where he realized, I can't do it. I can't be a good enough person to be right with God. And so he says, I want to be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that somehow I've earned because it doesn't work. But a righteousness that's through faith in Christ. The righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. You see, God is righteous. He is the standard of right. There's no sin in him at all. There's no evil in him at all. There's no impurity in him at all. He is the standard of right. And because he's completely right, he cannot overlook sin. 
Those things that we do and think and we say that are contrary to his character and his revealed will. He can't just say, well, just forget about it. It would violate who he is. And so when we sin, it demands punishment because of God's attributes. He, his righteousness demands wrath toward our sin. But God is also a God who loves us beyond measure, who is a God of mercy and grace, and he saw our plight and made it possible for us to have our sin forgiven, not by anything that we can do. But what he did is sent his one and only son, the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, to earth, who was born of a virgin, so that as 100% God, as 100% man, lived a sinless life on earth, so that he would be willing to take all of that wrath from God that we deserve toward us, and took all of that wrath from God, that righteous wrath upon himself. And as we remembered Friday, he died on the cross in our stead, in our place. But as we celebrate today, he did not stay in the grave. He rose again from the dead, proving that his sacrifice for sin was sufficient and that he is God. And what Paul's talking about here in Philippians 3.9 of having a righteousness that comes through faith is, is this. At the moment that you and I recognize that we cannot put enough good things on a scale to outweigh our sin. We cannot somehow earn right standing with God and that we need someone to save us from our predicament. At the moment we put our trust in the person of Jesus Christ, believing that he is God, that he died on the cross for me and for you and for all of the world, and then rose again from the dead, proving that he is God. At the moment we put our faith in him, our trust in him, the moment that we transfer the dependence of our lives from ourselves, thinking I can be a good enough person to earn merit with God and put my dependence on Jesus Christ. At that moment, Jesus Christ declares us To be right with God. His payment for sin is credited to the account of your life and my life through faith. That's the righteousness that Paul talks about here in Philippians chapter 3 verse 9. It's the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. That's the only way to be right with God. And when Paul came to grips with the fact that Jesus is the risen Lord, it changed, quote-unquote, his most important. It changed his life. Because at the moment he put his trust in the person of Jesus Christ, he became a new person. The Spirit of God came in and took up residence in his life, just like the Spirit of God comes and takes up residence in all of our lives at the moment we become a Christian. We know that from Romans chapter 8, verse 9. And from that point forward, we are a Christian as the New Testament defines it. And from that point forward, we start a journey, a path, a road. To having Jesus be our most important from whatever else was our most important before.
You may be here this morning and you know in your heart that you're probably more resembling the Apostle Paul before he knew Jesus than after. Maybe you're depending on good things that you've done that you hope will make you right with God. And Paul here is saying to all of us this morning, we can't be right with God that way. There's only one way, and that's in the person of Jesus Christ, the resurrected Christ, the resurrected Jesus. By believing in him, we find right standing with God because he declares it onto us through faith in Jesus. And if you've never put your trust in Jesus Christ, believing in him, putting your dependence on him, trusting in him to make you right with God, we have a little book we'd like to give you this morning at the end of the service. There will just be a stack of them back on the offering box. You can just grab one. And the first chapter of that little book is a, a, a lengthy explanation that you can take out your own Bible and look up verses that guarantee you That through faith in Jesus Christ, you can be right with God. Now for Paul, at the moment he put his faith in Jesus Christ, at that moment, his most important radically changed. Because at that moment, Jesus Christ became most important and he started out on a journey to know him more. In fact, verses 8 through 11 in our English Bibles, in the original Greek text, and with the language that the New Testament was originally written, is all one long sentence. And verse 10 gives us the purpose of why it's so important not to rely on our own efforts to be right with God and to put our faith in Jesus. Here's the purpose, verse 9. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. You see, Paul is so excited to share with all of us that when Jesus Christ becomes Our most important. When Jesus Christ becomes the object of our faith. When Jesus Christ becomes the the one that we are trusting. When Jesus Christ becomes our savior. At that moment. He starts doing a work in us. The first thing that happens is, is that we're a new person. And, and the Apostle Paul's talking about that in verse 9. He says that at the moment of salvation, when we start on this journey, there's three things he wants to know. First of all, he wants to know more of Jesus, that I may know him. Not only Jesus attributes his character, but he wants to know more of what Jesus wants for his life so that he can align his life with Jesus' life. So that he, when people see him, they see Jesus in him. And he wants to experience and know the power of his resurrection. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to you and to me through the indwelling spirit of God. That same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to you and me to live a victorious Christian life. 
where sin does not rule over us, where we can actually demonstrate Jesus Christ in everyday life. And Paul goes on to say he wants to experience the fellowship of his sufferings, meaning he wants to share in what Jesus suffered. He wants people to see Jesus in him so much that if they persecuted Jesus, that they will persecute him because Jesus Christ is all they see. How does a person ever get to a point where they know Jesus Christ at that level? Well, he tells us at the end of verse 9, by being conformed to his death. And what Paul's describing there is an ongoing process. Passages like Colossians chapter 3 verse 3 tell us that at the moment we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we die. Meaning, not physically, but we die to the person that we used to be. The Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 6 verses 1 through 11 tells us that at the moment we put our trust in Jesus Christ, we become a new person. That that bent towards sin that's in each and every one of us, it no longer has mastery over us. We don't have to sin anymore. Paul says, even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. There's this wealth of change that takes place in the in our lives at the moment we put our trust in Jesus Christ. And at that moment, we begin a journey. A couple of years ago, Barbara and I had some friends that built a new house. They asked us to come out and see their new home wasn't anybody from Faith Bible Church, someone we knew from other circles. And uh, walked into the house, and oh, it was, it was really cool. The husband showed us his two favorite places. One was his man cave. I mean, guys, it was, it was phenomenal. It talked about entertainment systems. It was something else. And then the thing that made me kind of say, oh, cool, was his kitchen. He put in a professional kitchen so that if they were entertaining for large groups of people, they could have a professional chef come in and he would feel right at home in his kitchen in his house. It was gorgeous. And, you know, it's interesting, for each and every one of us, you could actually compare all of our lives to a house. And the question we need to ask ourselves is, what in the house of my life is my most important room? My most important room. What is my most important in my life? For some, it may be like the Apostle Paul. Their most important room is their seeking God. But they're seeking God on their own merit. Like when I was in India and most of the homes that I was in had a puja room and and men and women would get up 4.30 in the morning and go and worship their little gods that were made out of silver and gold trying to somehow appease God. For some, their room may be a service room where they, they do good things for other people and somehow hope that that's enough to make them right with God. For some... God's not even on the radar screen. Their most important room may be their garage where they have their car they've dreamed of. Or their most important uh, room may be an entertainment room or a trophy room, whatever it might be. 
For Paul, his most important room was his religious room in his heart. That he came from a good family. He was considered the best of the Pharisees. That people looked at him and said, man, that guy is, is the most holy guy I know. And Paul looks back on that and said, that was just a bunch of manure. It didn't do anything for me before God. It is holding me back. But Paul went through a change. And that change happened because of risen Jesus. And at the moment he finally recognized risen Jesus, Paul put his faith in risen Jesus, was declared to be right with God. And from there, set out on a course of knowing him more. Because those of us who have put our faith in Jesus Christ, it's still easy for us to not have Jesus in our most important room. And so Paul presses forward here in these verses. He's writing 30 years after he became a Christian. And 30 years later, in verses 12, 13, and 14, he's saying, I'm not there yet. He's saying... I'm not as mature as I want to be. I'm not completely like Jesus. But even though none of us can be completely like Jesus until we're with Him, we're to press on. And that's what Paul's point is. He says in verse 12, Not that I've already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which I was also laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I don't regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Jesus Christ's sacrifice is sufficient. When Jesus died on that cross, it's it's a sufficient payment for you and for me. It's a sufficient payment for all of our sin. But to have that payment credited to the account of your life and my life, it requires us to put our trust in Him. In a sense, it requires us to start the journey. My father-in-law's name is Mel. And Mel has been to 49 of the 50 states. Only one left he hasn't been to. For about the last 10 years, he has been planning his trip to that 50th state, Hawaii. Oh, he's got it planned out. He knows exactly what he would do. He knows where he would go. He knows his journey path. He's got it all planned out. But there's always something that keeps him from going. Sometimes I get a little bit exasperated with Mel. I just say, Mel, go. Just go. Let's just get on the phone right now. Let's buy the ticket for tomorrow morning. Go. Go, Mel. Go. I think I'm going to have to call him after church and just remind him to go. I mean, what's holding you back? You just need to start the journey. Just 
do it. You know all about it. You know everything that you've got to do. Just start the journey. And you know in a real way, there's a journey that the Apostle Paul started. And it's the same journey that each and every one of us are called to take. But to be on the journey, it requires us to start the journey. Starting the journey means that we say the same thing about what has been most important to us that Paul did. That it's worthless compared to knowing Jesus Christ. That that I can't do enough good things to somehow earn merit with God. And we begin the journey by simply, in the quietness of our own heart, coming to the Lord and saying to Him, God, I know I've sinned. I don't deserve anything from You except being separated from You from forever. But I believe that Jesus is God, that He died for me and rose again. And right now I'm putting my trust in Him. I'm believing in Him, that His payment for my sin was sufficient. That's how we start the journey. Paul started that journey and it changed his life. It drastically changed him. So much so that his quote unquote most important changed. And because of that he entered a new journey. As a Christian he now sought to know more of Jesus Christ and he wanted Jesus' power to enable him to live for him. He wanted to know Jesus Christ so much that regardless of what came toward him, he still had joy. He wanted to know Jesus so much that when people saw him, they saw Jesus in him. And if people were going to persecute Jesus, they'd persecute him and he'd find that to be joyful. He wanted to know Jesus so much. That he experienced the life of Jesus Christ lived out through him in victory. It all started when the Apostle Paul changed his view of what's most important. It all started when he stopped depending on himself to be right with God. And instead put his total dependence on the person of Jesus Christ.